Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Brand new week on the Eagle Hour. Thank you for joining us on the Super Talk Mississippi Network. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Bob out this week, but happy to have you along, whether you're listening to us live on podcasts, on demand. Another week to talk about southern miss sports and uh, we're going to do it for this monday uh, for the next hour or uh, so first segment of the eagle hour brought to you every day by dickie's barbecue located in a community near you the hometown team in hattiesburg located just outside hattiesburg uh, turtle creek mall in west hattiesburg justin and his great crew cooking up and smoking up great meats every single day dickie's can Cater your next event also. Dickie's Barbecue, cooked here, loved everywhere. Going to be talking a little soccer in the second segment today. Coach Mo and his uh, Lady Eagles, historic win over Rice. They find themselves in first place in the West. Co- Coach Mo coming up uh, in just a little bit. But let's talk football. Let's start it off uh, with Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation. A Not a, a good game for the Golden Eagles. Really, uh, is really the tale of a quarter. UAB scores four touchdowns in the second quarter and defeats the Golden Eagles by a score of 34 to nothing. Golden Eagles gave up uh, a field goal in the first quarter, field goal in the third quarter, but the uh, the second quarter really doomed them. Golden Eagles only get a hundred and seven yards on total offense. I, I did some research, ask around. It appears that uh, in the in 1992, Eagles had uh, less than a hundred yards, somewhere around 50, 50 to 60. Uh, Yards uh, against the, uh, that was the 1992 national champion, Alabama Crimson Tide. But uh, Eagles only 107 yards, and uh, Heath Hinton going to talk to us uh, now. Michael, we got Heath? Well, we did. All right, well, let's, uh, while you're getting back on, Kelly, your observations from Saturday, it all starts, uh, it seemed as if the game was fairly close until the block punt, that kind of blew it open, UAB floodgates came, they scored 28 in the second quarter. And it really looked like after that, I mean, with the ineptitude on the offensive side of the ball, you know, becoming more glaring. And, and even Will Hall said after the game, he said, we're just not a very good, you know, offensive football team. So no matter how good your defense plays, you can't win unless you are able to score some points. Yep. Obviously, not to overstate the obvious, but, but UAB is a pretty good football team. Uh, but, but the fact that you got, that you got shut out. Um, that makes it even more problematic. And I know, you know you're dealing with you know, who's next on the quarterback list. And when Heath Hinton gets back on, I want to make sure we ask him about what – and I wanted to ask you this too, Luke. What about, what about the idea of using Pittman as a yeah. quarterback, which is what he played at high school you know, at McGee. He's certainly very athletic uh, and has run an offense before. Do you anticipate that that might be an option for the Eagles, not just for the rest of this season, but going forward? They put him in, and it right. didn't put him in very much. Uh, I think the thing with Chandler is he's more of a, a runner, and so he's more of a one-dimensional quarterback. I, I do think that they need to put more 
uh, certainly more looks with him in there now because uh, we'll have to see what's wrong with Jake Lang's uh, ankle. Will Hall said after the, the game that they didn't want to push him. They wanted to save him. That's why T-Webb came out. I think we do have Heath Hinton back with us now. And Heath, first time in Conference USA history with Southern Miss. They've been shut out by a Conference USA opponent, 107 yards on offense. Uh, your take. Uh, just wasn't a good day, was it, uh, guys? The offense was—it was bad. There's no other way to say it. Coach Hall didn't, you know. He, he even said it after the game. He said this is just bad. Uh, I think we kind of know where his mindset is now. And uh, he was asked, "What is your, you know, what do you do after a game like this? How do you process this?" And he goes, "I'm going to start recruiting right after this press conference." Pretty much what he said. So. Um, it, it is what it is. It, the team is just not very good. Uh, but now you got to start building on things, try to do some stuff to get some momentum going in the next season, hopefully. I heard Kelly mention about um, Pittman at, at quarterback. Yeah, uh, he just doesn't have the arm strength you need at this level. But as a change of pace, bringing him in, maybe do some things, uh, get him out on the edges, complete some passes, then, yeah, I think you uh I think you got something there, but I don't know if you can yeah. play him every down at quarterback. You still need that guy that can throw the ball down the field uh, a long way back there. And I just don't know if Pittman – that's not a knock on Pittman because he's a heck of an athlete. But there's a lot of difference between playing quarterback in high school and in college. I, I think yeah. – Especially the, at the D1 level. Kelly, let me, let me ask something yeah. real quick. So, Heath, so here's the blunt question. What is it? How can you go being so effective on offense last year? And I say that, you know, with, with an asterisk there. But you bring experience back. The quarterback position is lacking. I get that. But even when we had who we wanted to be in there, we went, were inept on offense. So, so what is it? What is, the, what is the glaring issue why this team cannot move the football? You know, you watch the offensive line play, and they're being pushed around all over the place. Um, I, I don't know, guys. I don't know how you go from improving at the end of this season to not even getting better, but the offensive line getting worse as the season goes along. Um, there's been no improvement. If you could see improvement, that would be one thing. But where's the improvement? I, I, you just can't see it. And that's disheartening. That's, that's very concerning going forward when there's not even any improvement at that place. All right. Um, so, so of course, I'm no coach and I can't see the film. But I mean, just looking at it, have y'all seen improvement on the offense inside the ball at any place? I haven't, but it, but I think it goes back. Some of it has to go back to the quarterback position because at any really? level, at any level, you're not going to win if you don't have a stud quarterback. I mean, at any level, you're just not going to. But but there's several parts of of the puzzle here that. That have to be asked. Number one, strength and conditioning. Obviously, if the offensive line is indeed being manhandled, uh, a lot of that is is strength and conditioning. And Luke, you could address this better than I, as, as a former, you know, football player at that level. Um, strength and conditioning would have to be one thing. But but at some point, and I, and I have been very quick to point out that that a lot of this had to be dropped at the at the feet of of Jay Hobson. But then the question has to come up. Okay, well. What about this coaching staff? I mean, are things are, you know are are things so different that it's just that that guys at this level can't pick it up, 
or where is the disconnect? You know, and Luke, on, on both of those, let me just throw it to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Lance Ancar is, is has a, a great track record of that. And and I, I, here's the here's the rub. And he it just we, we may have talked about this last week a little bit. Is it that this offensive line was recruited for a spread offense, and and they can, and they're not built to impose their will? Which really, in in some ways, I'm just like, no matter if you're an offensive lineman, you should be able to run block. Like we should go after and get guys that can that can block the run and then be taught to better pass protect. It seems as if, and and again this year they've regressed even in passing. When you look at how many sacks they've given up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luke, you're right. And you you look at it, they've changed the offensive line around. They've tried to move pieces here and there. Nothing they've done has seemed to work. And uh, it's not just the starting five. It's everybody. Uh, Sometimes you got to take a little pride in those offensive linemen, and, and I'm not saying they're not, but you've got to there. There has to be shown some type of improvement. You don't mind getting beat. That's okay. That happens. New coaching staff. But what you want to see is improvement. And defensively, yeah, through the season, you've seen improvement from even last year to this year. Even though it wasn't the best game, they've improved a lot this year. You've seen improvement, uh, but offensively, even you know, with the, when you had quarterbacks in there, the, there was an improvement from last year. The first game of this season, offense didn't look good. The second game, it, it really didn't look good in that second game. I think. Uh, I think also they put a bunch of points up, but the passing game wasn't there. So. Even when the quarterback's been in there, there hasn't been improvement. And I think what is especially frustrating for the fan base, and I know some of you listening today are going, boy, this is kind of a a down conversation, you know, some dead time here, but we're even a little perplexed and dumbfounded at at what was – did Will Hall completely misjudge the talent on this team? I had this team penciled for seven, possibly eight wins. I was way off the mark. There is huge disconnect somewhere, and I think the frustration by most of the fan base is, is we don't know where that disconnect is. I mean, kind of like an electrician trying to find a circuit. You know, as soon yeah. as I find the circuit, we can fix it, but not until then. Final statement, Heath, about 15 seconds. What you got? I think uh, you got to start looking at the recruiting trail and the transfer portal. You're obviously going to get seven extra uh, scholarships this year. Uh, man, if you're going to be at 32, you're going to have to use them. I uh, hit the transfer portal, but maybe hit the JUCO too. There's some good JUCO players around this area that can make immediate impact, especially right up the road in Jones. Yeah. So uh, you know, it. We'll see, but I mean, it's it's going to be a tough year for Southern Miss fans. Yeah. Well, he thanks for your time, man, and have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. You too, guys. Have a good one. That's Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation. Hey, we're going to talk about something positive, women's soccer, first place in the West. Coach Mo with us right after this. The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Monday continues on the Eagle Hour. Appreciate Heath Hinton as he joins us every single week. Purveyor of Big Gold Nation, Southern Miss. Rivals. 
Eaglehour.com. You can join Big Gold Nation today. Always appreciate Heath's time. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street or available to you 24-7 at campusbookmark.net. Went in there the other day, went to the back wall, Lots of options. Pick me out a brand new Southern Miss hat uh, for the the weekend, and uh, they got tons of stuff. A lot of people in there, and uh, of course, swing by Campus Bookmark or go shopping online at campusbookmark.net. Campus Bookmark, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. All right, let's move from the negative to uh, great positive. We're going to talk a little women's soccer. Soccer head coach Muhammad Elzair joins us now. And, uh, Coach, what a Thursday for your Lady Eagles. What a season you guys are having. Lady Eagles right now 3-1-2, and two, top of the West. But, uh, more importantly, first time you have ever defeated the Rice Owls in program history. Tell us about what happened Thursday, Coach. Congrats on the win. Well, thank you. First of all, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on here with you guys. Um uh, I tell you, the ladies, I mean, you know, just in, in my years here, uh, I would say that was close to a complete game that we've played from start to end. And uh, um, I am proud of, of of how they stuck to the game plan from the first minute till the last minute and, uh, you know, uh, felt that we deserved to win. And, uh, you know, vice very well coached team have gone deeper into the tournament last year and uh for us to be able to uh you know not only show you know compete against those teams and 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 also get a result is is something that is uh not only I'm proud of but it's it says a lot about you know our student athletes and and their commitment uh to uh to excellence and 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 competing it was a uh, it was a dramatic game, coach. Really, the third game in a row you've gone into overtime. I think it's the fourth this year you've gone into overtime, but you get a penalty, and uh, of course, uh, one of those young ladies that has uh, been playing exceedingly well, probably the best freshman in Conference USA, Esqueto. She buries it in the uh, the left corner, wins the game for you. I mean, just a dramatic game overall on uh, on Thursday. I, I tell you, uh, Ilana uh, is leading. Uh... Uh, all freshmen in points, but also what really impressed me is, uh, for, I mean, we created that that goal, you know, that penalty, the way we have practiced and the way we actually scored exactly the same, the first goal, and Adara was able to pull the the penalty. And and uh, but what really impressed me is uh, uh, seeing a young freshman just confidently going and picking up the ball when. Uh, a lot of other players were like, kind of, should I take it or not? And here comes a young one coming, picking the ball and putting all that pressure on her shoulders and, and getting us the result that shows how uh, cool and selective she is, but also uh, that she doesn't shy away from that pressure. What does it mean? What does it mean now, Coach, the fact that mentally – you guys won the game. You hear all the time, well, this team needs to learn how to win. Even though fundamentally a lot of teams can win, it's it's another thing to go over that mental hurdle of beating some of the very best, like Rice. Well, you know, for us, you know, it starts from, from not only how we, you know, got together in, in preseason, but also looking at the schedule that we played, playing SEC caliber team and SEC teams and, and and, and pushing them to the wire and uh, and being competitive at all phases of the game, 
that kind of really helps us. Uh, you know, the, the the fact that also we have uh, changed a little bit some of the things that we do in practice. We have a routine that we also uh, do now as a team uh, the night before the game. You know, that involves a lot of uh, not only uh, foam roll but also yoga type of work that allows us to help our players to focus and on their performance and. Uh, you know, and visualize. So, uh, so there's a lot of other things that we've done to help us, and uh, and our seniors class have been uh, just phenomenal in terms of leading our younger players. And kudos to the student body who turned out in great numbers. And it turns out, that, you, yeah, they got to celebrate the big win over Rice. I tell you, that was. Uh, I mean, it, it was. Uh, I mean, I was getting goosebumps on the sideline watching the, the you know, the, the football players, the basketball players, you know, softball, all the student body out there, but also all, you know, the, the students at the university coming out there and supporting us. Uh, it, it was uh, an electric environment for us. I mean, it definitely helped us to get us uh, across the finish line and, and get the win for sure. Coach, before I throw it back to Luke, I just wanted to ask you this question. As you, as you look at the future of the program, how are high school teams in Mississippi compared to maybe other high school soccer teams across the, the country? How is the talent level coming out of Mississippi high schools compare? I tell you, we're doing a great job at uh, at the high school level, and uh, and as well as the club level. We're you know, if, and it reflects on our roster. I mean, I started with three uh, players from Mississippi on our starting lineup against Rice, and and uh, we have also right now uh, four other players that we're signing in next month that are from uh, from Mississippi, and so we're excited that you know the the coaching at the high school level at the club level. Is, is not only getting better, but also we're hiring soccer people to be teachers and coaches at the high school level that has really elevated the game at all, you know, across the board. So uh, excited about that, you know, excited about, you know, that we have soccer people out there now coaching. Uh, not It's not an extracurricular or an, an added uh, job for a for a, a coach from another sport to to, to coach soccer so we got uh, specialists and experts in, in in soccer working with our youth and, and our high school kids which is awesome for for our uh, state and our talent that we're developing we're excited about the players that we're getting ready to sign for sure Coach, uh, you hadn't been notified by Conference USA for any fines because I know a bunch of those student athletes rushed the field. <laughs> that was incredible. They were all out there jumping up and down around your ladies. I mean, you know, we hear a lot of times, you know, football fields get get rushed, but man, the soccer field got rushed by the Southern Miss student body. I tell you, I, I just, uh, you know, to me, I just could not believe what I saw in front of me. It's like, you know, and I, the, the last thing that came is about the fine because <laughs> I was just excited for our. Um, <laughs> For the university, and I'm just excited that you know that you know we're, we're starting to create that culture, and and I and I and, and I would definitely want everybody to come out there and support us, and uh, and just it takes you know you know one day at a time, and uh, you know just you know create that environment not only for us but also for softball, for volleyball, for football, for everybody out there that is uh, playing Southern Miss soccer, uh, sports. 
All right, let's talk about what's coming up. Two more regular season games uh, this week. Uh, you head out to UTEP on, I guess you'll go on Thursday for the game on Friday. Almost a trap game, Coach. You're at the top. UTEP's at the bottom. They're 1-5. and five. But, you know, I know there's a, a couple games this season in conference you wish you could have had back. And so uh, what do we look forward to uh, to UTEP? And then if you can get that one, man, really the top two teams uh, in the West, uh, you and UTSA are going to play in Hattiesburg on the 28th. Yes, I mean, for us right now, it's just focused on, on UTAP, and uh, we want to be consistent. You know, we spoke about it this morning about, you know, showing up, you know, and uh, and being consistent. We, you know, going through that same routine that, you know, we went through to, through uh, with Rice and, uh, and just doing the little things in terms of sleep, recovery, hydration, uh, making sure we're taking care of our uh, responsibilities in the classroom, so you know, especially being on the road, uh, and just being, uh, you know, being focused and locked in, you know, on on uh, on just you know going out there and performing and getting the result that we need uh, going into into the last game. So we're focused on one game at a time and just doing the little things. And I told uh, our student athletes today, I said, what separates the good from the great is is doing things that you're uncomfortable, you know, the hydration, the sleeping on time, the eating right, uh, and just uh, the, the staying humble and, and grounded. So needless to say, Coach, we won't see uh, we won't see the young ladies at the Big Beer Pong tournament Wednesday night. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I feel certain they won't be there. But, <laughs> but, but emotionally to know, it's one thing to say that you can hang with the best, hang with the best. It's another thing to say that you beat the best. And up to this point, Rice has really kind of been the torchbearer in Conference USA. So big, big win. Congrats. Many more to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's an honor. I, you know, we have wonderful kids and, uh, they just make uh, coaching fun. And, and, and as long as we have kids that are showing up and they're giving us our best, their best effort, and uh, that's, that's all we want as coaches. Coach, we appreciate your time, and uh, go, go out there to, to, uh, to El Paso. Take care of them, and we'll catch you next week at the UTSA game. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's uh, Muhammad Elzair, head coach for Lady Soccer at Southern Miss. Golden Eagles right now, first place in the West. Wait a minute. What, what did you just say, Luke? Where are they? First place. First place. First place. How about it? First place. 7 3 and 2 overall. They will take on UTAP out in El Paso this Friday, and then a big home match to close out the regular season on October 28th, and then they'll get ready for the Conference USA Championship down in Boca Raton, Florida. We'll talk a little more football, other things, uh, what happened around Conference USA. Stick with us as Eagle Hour continues on this Monday. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Within a shouting distance from The Rock. And, of course, tonight at 4th Street Bar and Grill, they are going to be having Oyster Oyster. I've never been able to pronounce that word. Oyster Po' Boys. 
to you can tell uh, we're from the Midwest because we have that. And, yeah, and we it, don't have a lot of oysters. Yeah, in the we Midwest. don't have oysters. We have. See, the problem yeah. is rednecks in South Mississippi just say oyster, oyster, or oyster, 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 oyster. Well, I say root and roof, and I know that's not right. Creek and crick, creek and crick. Oh, don't. Yeah, that drives my wife nuts. Well, I can't. I can't pronounce Bills and Titans. There you go. That's the game tonight. Uh, that will be featured at 4th Street on Monday Night Football. Oyster Po'boys tonight just for tonight's game, specialty. And then Wednesday, they've got another big night of uh, trivia where there's – if you play trivia at 4th Street, you're going to win something. If you finish dead last, you're going to win something. They've always got some uh, some goodies in the back room that they're, that they're willing to hand out. And if we asked you, Michael, because I know Luke knows, knows the answer – the very first football team that Southern Miss ever played, the first team they ever played. Now, I'll give you a clue. It wasn't a university or a college or anything like that. But would you have any idea? Yeah, because we talked about this off air. Oh, that's right. We did. That shows you how, <laughs> my, how bad my memory is. Right. It shows how honest Michael is. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> Didn't take the credit. I, I was never one of them that played, but I try to, to live with that honest integrity. So tell the, us, Luke. It was the Hattiesburg Boy Scouts, who were actually at the game Saturday. I think they were – no, I won't say that. <laughs> Our players were taunting them. You know? Hey, you remember no, I, that game back in 1918 when looking we – Look into schedule you know, a ma- another, new, another matchup. 1912, and, okay. Mississippi wow. Normal College Normalites. What a normal name. They went 2-1 and one that year on October the 13th, 1912, so um, just 99 years ago. Or no, I'm sorry, more than that. That's 1912. I think it was. I think it was 2011. So 109 years ago, they won in Camper Park 30 to nothing. They lost the next week on October 19th to the Gulf Coast Military Academy at Camper Park six to nothing. And then a few weeks later, they rebounded against Mobile Military Academy in Camper Park six to nothing. So the first year of Southern Miss football, two and one, lost to a military academy, beat a military academy, but the the, the most prestigious win on that uh, schedule was they beat the Hattiesburg Boy Scouts yeah, 30 t- to nothing. Take that, Boy Scouts. And, and because of that, you've got to sell rental chairs <laughs> at, at the home games. They're, they're still paying that price. And speaking of paying prices, Luke, uh, just off the track just very briefly, Tennessee's going to have to pay some prices, aren't they? Two hundred and fifty grand, which I thought was – I mean – so they've been finding people like two hundred and fifty grand for rushing the field, and that was kind of what I joked about Coach Mo about because right. we had we had all these student athletes that ran on the field, uh, you know, after the Lady Eagles beat Rice. But so they, I think they find Kentucky, they find a few more people, like maybe A and M, and you know, A and M probably uh, probably joked and were the A and M fans were probably offended. They only had to pay that much. Somebody may have written a, a check for more money, but anyway. Um, yeah, Tennessee's going to, have to pay two hundred fifty grand. It was atrocious. It was embarrassing. The entire Ole Miss football team had to like come out to the hasher at midfield because they were throwing. It was a bottle of mustard down there, and and a golf ball. Uh, Lane Kiffin got hit. If Lane, if it never works out with football, which I'm sure it will for him, because he always lands on his feet somewhere, and he may be going to LSU after this. Who knows? But if it never works out in football for Lane Kiffin, there's always pro wrestling because he seems to be one of those guys, <laughs> one of those guys. <laughs> that, that you either you know, really like or really troll. hate. 
he was going off the field and they were trying to throw popcorn at him. So he throws his visor up in the stands and they like freak out and fight over it. I mean, so yeah, it, it just shows where, where Tennessee fans really hard at. Anyway, around the, the league Friday, Marshall defeated North Texas 49 to 21 on Saturday. Western Kentucky defeated Old Dominion 43 to 20 UTSA. Who we should mention now is ranked yes. in the top twenty-five. So the Roadrunners, uh, who are twenty-fourth today, improved a seven and zero. They def- shut out Rice forty-five to nothing. UTEP. This was kind of the surprise. You picked them, Kelly. I, I did. Yeah. I didn't go with them. Uh, I think Melissa Socher and I picked uh, Louisiana Tech. But UTEP won at home nineteen to three over uh, Louisiana Tech. So when you look at uh, the Conference USA standings in the West. UTSA, UTEP, and UAB all three and zero, followed by La Tech and Rice at one and one. North Texas and Southern Miss both zero and three in the East. Charlotte two and zero, Marshall two and one, FAU, Western Kentucky one and one, Middle Tennessee one and two, FIU, Old Dominion zero and two and zero and three. So yeah, biggest surprise of the week to me um, was uh, was UTEP winning at home. But I mean, who would have thought first part of this year UTEP would be six and one, UTSA seven and zero. I just didn't. I just didn't see why they were getting all that attention at the beginning of the year. I do now, and and I will. I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong. And UTEP did get the chance to um, to raise its stock with with a big win over Louisiana Tech, which leads me to ask this question, Luke. Besides our Eagles, which to everybody has been a disappointment to whatever degree, don't you think Louisiana Tech has been a, a bit of a disappointment up to this? point i mean we still have a half a season to go but i mean at this point wouldn't you think yeah i mean there's kind of a joke out there that tech's gonna tech or skip's gonna skip and uh in in some ways you feel like they may have perhaps won some games the last couple years they really you know shouldn't have but yeah two and four overall one and one i'm not going to talk smack about tech because uh, we're one and six right now but when, when you look back at, at the game, just some statistics, Southern Miss with nine first downs, a net of 75 yards rushing. They did actually rush for over 100 yards, but the quarterbacks uh, were sacked a few times, and so uh, that got them rushing for 75. But but the passing, here, here's the deal. Yeah. You know, the last few weeks you threw for, um, threw for over 300 against Rice. You threw for over 200. Um, last week you throw for 32 yards. Six of sixteen with an interception, and you know we we talked about last week how Smithart joined the team, uh, the the uh, student coach dude. When when Lane got hurt with his and they decided to bench him, dude. If something happens to T. Webb, Smithart in his first week on the team is going to be thrown out there. So T. Webb is now the fifth quarterback the Golden Eagles so you, played this year. So you don't think Pittman would be? They would just go ride with Pittman as long as they could. Well, they they do, but I'm saying you're just going to stack the box. So, and, but, but don't you point? But, but don't you but, think primarily they would do that anyway with an inexperienced quarterback? Somewhat, but I mean, you know, those guys can throw the can you know they're they're collegiate throwers. I guess that should say. Now, Chandler Pittman is is twice the athlete that that some of those guys are. You know, and yeah, running think, and agility for yeah, sure. I mean, I think he, I'm, I think and I mean, he could throw it. He could throw it on a trick play. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, as a drawback quarterback, he, he's not gifted in that way at the collegiate level. All the other things that he does are exceptional, specifically for a freshman. So you know, no one hear me 
dogging out Chandler Pittman. I think he is probably one of the most talented players on this team, and the very fact that he's a freshman gets you really excited. And I would assert that it doesn't matter that he's a downhill thrower when you when the line has been too inconsistent to protect a down downfield passer anyway. You know, so I think just under the circumstances, he might be a more viable option, if not just to get through the get the Eagles through this season. You know, I'm not I'm not necessarily looking at a long long range fix there, but I'm just saying, you know, through this season, I think it might be something to consider. Now, the the bye week comes up this week for the Eagles. They're they're off this weekend. I don't think it could have come at a better time, and I'll get Luke's uh, take on this in a minute. But the fact that they don't have a game this weekend, a chance to recharge mentally, physically, whatever, and then when they get back into conference play, Middle Tennessee, who is an average football team, you know, they're not great. Um, And if Southern Miss can somehow put together its best performance so far, might have a chance to win in Murfreesboro. You got a couple of um, teams that have really struggled this year that are still on the schedule, North Texas and FIU. FIU's coach Bush Davis has already announced his retirement. He's done at the end of the year. So there are those at FIU that kind of think that the Panthers have been phoning it in. So there are a chance to pick up a couple more wins here. And I know you're going, well, big deal. But wins go a long way as far as developing confidence going forward. And it wouldn't be a one-win season and the only you know win coming against a, you know, a, a team from a weaker conference, I think most would, would agree. So all of that being said, Luke, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, winning's contagious, losing is too. This team's lost five in a row, and they've got to have something positive. See, the, the worst thing to happen Saturday was the, the block punt. Yeah. You know, you, you get a punt block, it's like a 90%, and it may be even more now, but the analytics say it's like a 90% chance you're going to lose the game. That was a backbreaker. And and part of it here, too, is not, not to pit two sides of the ball against each other, but you know it's in the defense's psyche. Like, what's the offense going to do to put us in a difficult situation? And so you started – it was kind of uncharacteristic. There were some – you know, a couple of those plays that were blown. And, and what I would do is I just – I would watch Austin Armstrong's um, reaction on the sideline. And, dude, it was like he was getting his heart ripped out, man. I mean, just – to to there was a time where they busted a big play. We had a dude there. We can't make an open field tackle. We get pressure on the quarterback, but we don't hold them on the back end. And it's again, it's it's a few different things that just doom you. And so it builds in your psyche. And uh, so hopefully they can this week clear it, put it all aside, and just try to focus. You know what what can we do to to get a win against Middle Tennessee? On the road, we'll we'll see what happens. And I and I have an idea as to why more people are not going to college football games. Why they are not going to college football games in those numbers. We'll talk about that when the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Final segment brought to you by D-Bat and D1 Training. Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Weather's beautiful outside, but the training's always great inside at D-Bat and D1 Training. D-Bat Hattiesburg.com. D-Bat D1 proud sponsors 
of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel Tennis qualified two members into the main singles draw and four teams into the main doubles draw at the ITA Southern Regional um, this past weekend. And so uh, the uh, the men's tennis team will uh, will continue play and women over in Tuscaloosa as they both uh, were in the state of Alabama this weekend. Four Golden Eagles participated in singles and doubles competition at the Event they finished uh, in Tuscaloosa. The ladies did four and three in singles, two and two in doubles, and the ladies set to participate now in the Battle of the Bayou, November fifth through sixth. Cross country was down in Tallahassee at the Florida State Cross Country Invite. Finished twelfth out of twenty nine teams, so they finished in the top fifty percent. Their volleyball drops two matches against UTEP Friday and Saturday. Coach Radecki's ladies fall to. 10 and 12 on the year. They will travel out to Houston to take on Rice this coming weekend. Men's golf uh, was up at Raleigh, North Carolina over the weekend at the Wolfpack Intercollegiate. They finished 7th out of 16 teams. And uh, Golden Eagles didn't have their best stuff, but Robbie Ladder uh, got a top 10 finish. He finished 8th overall. Golden Eagles put 2 inside the top 22. Uh, They are ranked right now 62nd in the country, so uh, they'll get ready for uh, next week. Next Monday and Tuesday, they'll be at Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Battle at Black Creek. So uh, lots of sports going on right now. Of course, soccer uh, will head out to play UTEP on uh, on Friday uh, for the Lady Eagles' first place in the West. Kelly, um, we got some uh, some good dudes coming up this week, some some notable former athletes for Southern Miss coming on the Eagle Hour. Gerald McGrath, former uh, Southern Miss linebacker who played in the NFL with the Tennessee Titans. He is uh, scheduled to join us a little bit later on this week. And big Walker Powell. Uh, it's pretty tough to miss Walker Powell when he walks into a room. What is he, about 6'7", six, 6'8", seven, six, six, eight, seven. something right. like that? Yeah, he's, he's, he's a tall drink of water. And uh, he'll be jo- Have we ever had a cross-country runner on the show? A few times. Have we? Yeah. Okay. Because yep. I, I, how about tennis? I'm not sure if we've ever had a tennis tennis. Well, we need, we need to change that this week. We'll get in touch with the producers and see if we can get a tennis player uh, on this week as well. But going into the commercial break, Luke, I was talking about, you know, and I know technology has a lot to do with why people aren't going to games that can watch, you know, six games at one time on their TV and picture in a picture and all that, that kind of thing. And it's too hot, it's too cold, and it rains and all those sorts of things. But I really think that one of the reasons – that and there's no there's no data to indicate why this is the case. There is data to indicate that numbers are way down, regardless of what the schools are. But I think part of the reason is television, but not because television makes it convenient to stay home. It's that television takes too long to cover one of these games. The Southern Miss game on Saturday, three hours and fifteen minutes. Three hours and fifteen minutes to play this game. Now, it, it's tough for either team to get any momentum, any mojo to take advantage of, of any swings because it seems, like, it seems like every three or four plays, there's a timeout on the field, there's a timeout call, there's a TV timeout, there's a media timeout, there's a timeout for a timeout. It's just in a, in a game that doesn't have a lot of continuous motion anyway, television is impeding watching and going to these games because it takes forever to get done. Is that reasonable? I think it does. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, change of 
because here's here's one thing. Like if if you intercept the ball or you get a fumble recovery and you take a TV timeout, that that's that's atrocious. But sometimes you know after you score, you know the the worst thing a team that gets scored on they want to go back out there and and you know deal with it and 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 play their way out of it. An offense. Uh, coming out to kick the ball, they want to keep the momentum and put it on, and then you sit there for three minutes and, and wait for red shirt, you know, to come out there right. and tell you uh, where what you're going to do. So, I, yeah, I, I think there is there is truth to that. So, I would like I would like the conferences when they renegotiate their deals, whenever that is, if you're truly worried about fans going to football games, shorten the time it takes because once you add your tailgate time. Once you add your time to and from the stadium, you're talking potentially seven or eight hours out in the sun or to some degree, you know, out in the sun. And it just makes for a really long day. So do your commercials at halftime. Do them in the pregame show. Do them in the postgame show. Or like Luke said, only after touchdowns or a field goal. But not just these random timeouts that come along when a team you know, is, is marching down the field, they've got a good head of steam and momentum, and then, oh, I have to stop, timeout. It's, we've gotten to the place where the money involved in the game is far more important than the game itself. I just and think that is yeah, a I agree, sad place. I agree, but there has to be a fine line. I get that both worlds must exist, but there has to be a fine line. Sure. We appreciate you joining us on the Eagle Hour uh, today. Lee Roberts, uh, tomorrow on with us, talking the game. We'll have great guests throughout the week. Happy to have you along. Always, you can listen to us in podcast form. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or supertalkhattiesburg.com, supertalklaurel.com. We'll catch you tomorrow, same time. And as always, Southern Miss to to the the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.